had the children dismissed to the children's church and the rest of us. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to have to ask you to follow very closely today. Um, This is a, a complex passage that we're looking at. A lot of confusion is here, but as is normal with God's Word. When we spend time in the Word, we'll find out that all of these complicated things that confuse us and and make things difficult are from us, not from God. God's Word is simple, it is plain, and if there is one thing that we think we understand that we don't, it's God's love. Uh, God's love is uh, the source of every good thing that we can comprehend. And yet, so often we have this problem. As we read through this passage here in a few moments, we're going to touch on several uh, uh, verses. And and uh, we've had... Uh, and every one of us will have had difficulty as we try to think these things because it talks about loving others because God loves us. How many of you have had difficulty loving others this week? If you just uh, raise a hand there. I mean, we, we live in a world of unlovable people, do we not? And, and uh, we're not going to ask you to raise hands, but how many of us have been unlovable at some time? Uh, during this week, and uh, most of our hands would have to go up again. But love is not based on circumstances. One of my favorite little quips is home. That's where they have to let you in. Amen? Uh, Because that's where you belong. And, And it's not always that Everything is so wonderful. We have this fantasical idea, uh, and probably has to do with Phariseeism as well, that everything is just one step forward. Everything just gets better. We're going to get to this point where everything is just wonderful. Uh, No. Uh, It will be in heaven But that's because God will be in control of every thought, every wish, every deed, every heart, every person, every angel. Uh, When God is in charge of everything, yes, there will be no sickness, no dying, no, no sorrow, no sighing, as the songwriter says. But let's start in verse 7 here, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter, so... Follow along carefully. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, 
Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. For we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also, Now, twice in this passage that we have read, we find out that God is love. Uh, there is so much that goes on under the banner of love today, is there not? I mean, people talk about love, and I, I remember when that Supreme Court decision came down a little while uh, legalizing sodomite marriage in all 50 states. We can love each other now. Well, wait a minute. That's, that's not love. And I've had people argue with me uh, when I they say, wait a minute, God is love. If, well, you mean unsafe people can't love each other? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Can unsafe people have affection one for another? Absolutely. Can their affection for one another be true for a lifetime in marriage? Yes, it can be. But if we're going to allow the Bible to be our dictionary... Hello? Amen? God is love. And if God is not involved, then what is there is not love. As I was going through this passage and preparing not really part of the sermon, but just a, a thought here, and, and it really goes the whole way through uh, this passage... Every human being that has ever lived has a desire to love and care for other human beings and, and a desire to be loved by other human beings. Right? 
And it goes really right back to the Garden of Eden. What did the serpent tell Eve? If you eat the fruit of the tree, you'll be God's. And has that not been man's desire from number one, to be God? We, we want to love other people and we want people to love us. But if that originates with us, it's not love because God isn't in it. And we attempt to put ourselves upon the throne and become a God. And that's, you want to know what all this Hollywood abuse is all about? It's people sitting on the throne, making themselves God and demanding that other people worship them. That's how simple it is. If I were to ask the question, how many people in this room have been taken advantage of by another person trying to help them or be kind to them? Every hand would go up. You know why? Because that's how the devil works. The devil is the great imitator. The devil wants people to be satisfied with a form of love, an imitation thereof. They want to, he wants you to be so wrapped up with the affections of this world that you don't pay attention to God. Uh, now, I never did this, but if you did, that's fine. I have nothing against it. But how many of you remember the fake Rolex watches that were really big in Chinatown? It was several years ago. We had a preacher visit us one time, and he brought a group up here, and it was hilarious. He had five up this arm and four. He said, man, I I am ready. I am loving this. And, And just fake Rolexes. Now, I think if somebody gave me a real one, I'd go sell it and put the money in missions or something. I, I don't need a $5,000 watch. And that's a cheap Rolex if I understand things correctly. Uh, I don't want that kind of stuff. But so many times we're excited and satisfied, so satisfied with the imitation that we never port put forth the effort to have what is real. Hello? And this passage here says, Beloved, let's verse 7, we're going to work our way right down through to verse 21, and hopefully I'll have you out of here before uh, evening service tonight, all right? Uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. We have to understand something. If we will accept the Bible as our dictionary, if we will accept the Bible as God's revelation to mankind, we have to understand something. Love originates with the being of Almighty God. Love comes from God. God is love. Love is God. If you want To have love in your life, there's only one place in the universe you can get it. God. 
It doesn't come from inside yourself. One of the greatest problems that we have is we have people that are very good at giving of themselves. But that's not love. Well, wait, wait a minute. If I, if, I, if I give of myself, I'm giving affection and help to this person. I'm, I'm by definition loving. No, definition is God is love. And if I'm not sharing God, if I'm not helping that person get closer to God or understand more about God, then that's not love. And we have so much fake love. You see, love is the most powerful force because it's it's God. It's God's presence. It's who God is. And yet on this earth, fake love has brought about wars with catastrophic damage and death to people and it said because I love this. I'm you know, I love my country. We're going to go out and we're going to do this and and all kinds of Unbelievable things. You see, in verse 8, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You know how one of the ways you can tell the difference between true love and fake love is this. Fake love always has a hook in it. What's the young man tell his girlfriend? Well, if you really loved me, you would. I hope and pray. There's not one young man foolish enough to say that to one of my daughters. Because if I find out about it, there's going to be some very, very serious consequences. Now, I don't know if it will be in the flesh or the spirit, but I'll tell you what. That's not love. Well, the way you deal with that is you train your daughters. Amen. That's the way you deal with that. But how many people say, well, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. You know, I give and they give. And I was like the one evangelist told the story. He said, my wife and I tried to work out a deal. It was, this was back in the 30s or 40s uh, when men always wore hats and and uh, he, he said, now, if I come home and, and I'm in a really bad mood, it's been a bad day, he says, I'm going to pull the corner of my hat down. And that way, when I walk in the house, you'll know that I've had a really bad day and I, I'm needing you to, uh, to, to be uh, a, a little careful and, and help me out. And his wife said, well, that, that really sounds good because most of the time I, I don't know and by the time I find out you're already growling around the house and making a mess and so if you walk in with your hat pulled down I'll, I'll be able to know and that'll help and they begin talking and what she said well I'll tell you what I'll do if if I've had a really bad day and the kids have been terrible and all that I'm going to take the corner of my apron and, and tuck it in the waist so if you see the corner of my apron up 
And he said, that worked out really well until one day I came home with my hat pulled down only to find the corner of the apron tucked in. Uh, and it was okay as long as one of us had a bad day. Uh, the other one could make up for it. But when both of us had a bad day at the same time, it didn't work out very well. We ran out. You all will always run out of yourself. Hello? God is love. You know what? You can't run out of God. God never gets tired. I, how many of you would say amen for the patience of God? And the fact that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? You see, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that... We loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, in order to know and understand what love truly is, in order to give love, you must first be able to receive it. See, we have people that always want to do for other people and they never want anybody to do for them. You ever known somebody like that? Let, let me tell you something. They don't know what love is. You see, when if you want to know what love is, you've got to come to God. You've got to understand that He Loved us. We went through the letters to the churches. The Ephesian church, they left their first love. What had happened? We love him because he first loved us. We're going to get to that in verse 19. Sometimes we get so used to serving God and walking along with him that we kind of forget. We don't kind of, we do that that love that's supposed to be motivating everything we do comes from God, not from us. God has not developed you to a point where you can actually love others. If you're going to love others, you've got to go to God and get it first so that you can pass it along. Hello? Are we together here? I mean, you've got to think about this. You see, God manifested His love in that He sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for our sins. How many of you remember the day you got saved? What did you do? Did you come to God and say, I'm such a wonderful person, God. I've, I've served you and I've done this and I've done that and... And, and I've had people, well, I've, I've loved God all my life. No, love is not that you love God. You can have affection for God, but that's not love. Love is what sent Jesus to the cross. 
And on the cross, he paid the price for every sin that was ever sinned by all of mankind. Aren't you glad about that? I am, every time I think about that word propitiation, I, am, I just rejoice over the fact that I'm not foolish enough to be a Calvinist. Uh, that I'm not going to limit the work that Jesus did. He is the propitiation for our sins. And John already dealt with this in chapter 2. Not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The Bible tells us here that God loved us. He sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. And you have to remember something here. The word propitiation, you look it up in a dictionary, it means appeasement. But I want you to understand something. This is not appeasing God. Who is Jesus? He's God. To whom was the sin debt owed? God. There's been some foolish theologians that have come up with the idea that somehow Jesus paid the devil for our sins. Nothing could be more blasphemous than that. Our sin debt was owed to God because he's the one that gave us the law. And he is the one that satisfied the demands of the law. You know what that's called? Justice. Amen? He justifies us. He makes us pure as if we had never broken His law. You cannot. You have not always loved God. There has to be that point in your life where you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus lives inside, you see, here's the next verse here. Verse 10 says, here in, I mean, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. You see... Here's the word forgiveness illustrated, is it not? If God forgave us, so loved us for all of our sins, how can we hold against another human being what Jesus has already paid for on the cross? Amen? The world always wants something in return. Jesus says, you come to me and I'll save you. Because he is good. Because he is love. And that gives us the freedom to deal with other human beings and not expect something in return. They say that the number one reason for divorce is financial expectations not being met. Number two is 
immorality. I'd say they're pretty close to be connected because the love of money is the root of all evil. That's what the Bible teaches us. You know that? You get married to another person expecting things from them and they from you. It's only a matter of time before you're going to destroy each other. But if you have God's love, then those expectations are surrendered to God just the same way when you surrendered your life to Him when you got saved. Can we say amen to that? You see, here's how we love other people. Is by not expecting things from them. I have to be careful as a pastor. One of the things that really, uh, and, and I pray I never get over this, amazes me that people will come to church knowing that I'm the preacher. Uh, it, it, and I don't want to ever get over that. I believe that I spend some time with the Bible and bring a message that's from the Bible. But, but it's something that God does. And sometimes you get expecting things. Sometimes people get expecting things. And we have to be very careful. Our expectations need to be surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what happens then? We can actually be free to care about one another. Because we're not asking things of each other. Where our lives are sufficient because of who God is. And verse 12 tells us, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. If you want to see God's love perfected in your life, care about another person without expecting something in return. Allow God to be in that relationship. Help someone Become a better Christian, a better servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give someone a hand to walk in the ways that Jesus would have us walk. That's how His love is perfected in us. And verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. And and we've already alluded to this, so we're going to keep moving this morning. But... You can't do this on your own. It doesn't come from you. You will run out of you. And if you don't run out of you, somebody else will wear you out. Amen? Uh, There's going to come a time when you don't have it anymore. But if the Holy Spirit of God is living in you, as the Bible promises at salvation, guess what? can't wear you out. You can't exhaust the love of God if you're going to the storehouse of God's love and getting it and sharing it with others. And so, as we keep going here, it says in verse 14, and we have seen and do... What's that next word in verse 14? 
testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Guess what? If you have God's love living in you, you're going to tell people about it. You're going to testify. You're going to share that love with others. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. I remember reading that verse and, and thinking, but almost every person who calls themselves a Christian believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How, how does that play out? I mean, if we were to uh, get uh, uh, ten different people from Catholic, Orthodox, uh, variety of Protestants out here and said, would you confess that Jesus is the Son of God? Almost every one of them, except the liberal Unitarian people, they, oh yeah, Jesus is, is, is the Son of God, yeah, that's no problem. Well, wait a minute, let's put that verse in context. It's not just making a statement. You see, if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, How in the world can you also confess that salvation is in the works of the church? You see, the Holy Spirit lives in us and we testify that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Now, as human beings, we're capable of lying out of both sides of our mouth at the same time. Amen? Uh, just ask the politicians. I mean, they've, they've developed it into a science, I think. And, and uh, the, the truth of the matter here is, it's not just making a simple statement. If I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then I cannot believe that salvation is in any other organization or through any other means. And that God's love solely resides in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not one among many good people who lived on this earth. He is God come in the flesh who has paid the price for my sins. He has showed to us how God's love works. And if we'll allow him, and and let's just read the... Uh, the next verse here, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, that verse there, Uh, I'll just tell you, in in my years of study, has always been just one of those little bit confusing verses in the Bible. How how is my love made perfect? The love that is in me is made perfect when I have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, let me ask you a question. How many here would raise a hand and said, if God were to walk down the aisle and ask us, if we were to stand before God in judgment, and he said, 
should I let you into heaven? How many would hold up a hand and say, yes, God should let me into heaven because I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. How many people would do that right now? You know Jesus is your Savior. Go ahead. Uh, Boldness, raise your hand. Don't keep it down. If you're saved today, you have boldness in the day of judgment because you're not afraid that God is going to send you to hell. How many of you went to church for 20 years and was always afraid that you weren't going to make it to heaven? I mean, we have people here that lived over 20 years before they got saved, didn't they? Hello? You went to church, you did everything they said, you did the best you possibly could, and even better on some occasions, and you still had that nagging doubt in your soul as to whether heaven was your home or not. But then you found Jesus and the fact that he paid for every sin, and you trusted him, and he saved your soul. Can we say amen to that? See, that's boldness in the day of judgment. Isn't that simple? Only those that have God dwelling in them have that kind of boldness. Then that next phrase, because as he is, so are we in this world. Well, what does the name Christian mean, my friend? You see, if you have God's love in you, it's going to make you behave like Jesus did. The Bible says that God is going to conform us to the image of His dear Son. They called them Christians at Antioch because they were so much like Christ and his teachings that they didn't know, they couldn't find a better word to describe this group of people because they certainly weren't Jewish people. Uh, they weren't part of the, the Phariseeism and all the problems that were there. These, these people were different. That's why they called them Christians. You see, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, if you've had the unfortunate run-in with your neighborhood friendly Jehovah sickness, I mean witness, um, they're they're not a witness of Jehovah, I promise you that. But I've actually read in their books. You see, they don't believe in hell. Because hell is such a horrible place. And hell, hell is, is fear. You know, uh, you shouldn't be motivated by fear. Well, that's really dumb. How many of you to open a big electrical panel and just stick your hand in there? If you would, please see me after church. We're, we're going to have to have some long talks and lots of them. I'd be afraid to do that. Yeah, that's a good thing. It'll keep you alive a little longer. Amen? Uh, There's a lot of things we should be afraid of. 
But I'm not afraid of God. And I'm not afraid of hell. Because he loved me. And he paid the price of all my sins for me. And I don't have to be afraid of what people are going to think about me if I love Christ. People think I act really crazy around my grandkids. Because I'll sit there and talk to them. And and I love little babies. Play with them and talk to them. and uh, They like talk to me too. They're in their own little way. And, uh, you know, you hold a little baby there and everybody else in the whole room disappears. I remember riding on the subway. We were only in the city a couple of months. Sarah, who now is waiting on number three, was my little baby at that time. She was sitting on my lap. And there was some guy across on the subway. And he's going, Waving at Sarah. I mean, I took one look and said, "Man, this guy be in the running for ex murderer of the year." I mean, uh, I mean, just a great big scary looking guy. And and he's sitting there going, "Yeah." And you know what that taught me? People are real, and people are people. You don't need to be afraid of people. If we could only be more afraid of offending God than we were of offending our fellow man, we'd be so much better witnesses and better carriers of God's love. I've had people say, I'm, I, I can't pass out a gospel track, I'm too afraid. Well, I, I would say, you've you got a love problem. You see, Perfect love casteth out fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Here's the first love of the Christian. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because of all he's done for us. We need to be so enamored with our Savior that everybody else just disappears. And guess what we'll end up doing? Read the next two verses with me. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God... Love his brother also. See, we got through the whole chapter there. This this passage here tells us how God's love works in our life. You see, it doesn't come from you. It comes from God. You must receive it. And when you receive God's love, then God's love 
will change you and who you are. And if we'll testify of God's love in our lives and share God with those that we meet, guess what? We're confessing that Jesus is the Son of God. And we're unconfessing that salvation is in any church, any organization, any amount of good works. And you see, that love that we have in us is perfected in being able to help other people listen about God. You know, there are things that we can do that make other people not want to listen about God. I think it was Gandhi that said, I would be a Christian if it weren't for Christians. He, he ran into somebody who called themselves a Christian and apparently they did some fairly offensive things to him. And, and of course, each individual must make their own decision to trust in Christ. But be careful that you're not somebody's excuse to go to hell. Amen? You see, that's, that's, what, that's how our love is perfected. And, and we have boldness in the day of judgment, not because I'm such a good person or I've done so many good things, but because the Holy Spirit of God is living in me. He's the one that goes back to the storehouse of God's love and gets a little piece of it and brings it and puts it in my life so that I can pass it on to someone else. And once you pass that on to someone else, then the Holy Spirit's free to go back and get some more. And that's what gets rid of fear in your life and makes you love those around you the same way Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. You see, the love of God is what we need. The love of God is the answer for every question in your life, every struggle that you struggle we need God's love. Well, how do we get it? It's all right here. Amen. First, you've got to get saved. You've got to receive God's love yourself before you can pass it on to someone else. I got a phone call years ago from a family member. He said, you know, I've been witnessing to this guy I'm working with. And he said, I keep telling him how to get saved. And every time I tell him, he says, I, I look at myself and I say, I'm not saved. He said, will you, will you lead me to the Lord? And so over the telephone, trusted the Lord as his Savior. You know something? You've got to start you don't have salvation settled in your own life, nothing else is going anywhere. I don't care how good it looks on paper or pictures. Reality is, God is love. When we have struggles with other human beings, and especially in 
quote-unquote a love relationship, what we need to understand is we're wanting something or expecting something out of that thing. That's why we've got problems. Or maybe somebody's expecting stuff from us that we don't feel that we can give or we don't have it in ourselves. And what we need to do is we need to get back to God. You know, there are some people in this world that wouldn't be satisfied with God. That's why they never get saved. So what makes you think they're going to be satisfied with you? No matter what you do. You see, that's boldness in the day of judgment. Is I'm not worried about meeting another human being's expectations. Because Jesus Christ already made me acceptable in the beloved. I've already met God's. If that's not good enough, I'm going to go find someone else who will listen about God's love. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today.